Welcome everybody to the Speak Your Mind podcast powered by Torch Pro. This is episode seven. I'm Tyler Smith. Joined with me as always is Riley Cheyenne. Today our guest is Joe Hawley, the eight-year NFL pro. He played five years for the Atlanta Falcons, three years for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and ultimately just an incredibly powerful conversation today we had. Yeah, Joe's uh, he's created a, a community for, for former athletes to find some inner peace and um sort of figure out their life beyond their game and um this was a great conversation he definitely taught us both a lot and he's got a great perspective on things so um we talked fatherhood we talked about his career um and then we talked about his transition out of the game so uh definitely some interesting topics and we had a lot of fun with this one yeah a lot of things that i I guess you just don't think about when you're looking at professional athletes making millions of dollars but I think there's a lot behind closed doors that um, for all for listeners and fans and everybody that they need to take into account as well. I mean, this is a, a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual toll that they put themselves through to so to be able to see the shift he has made in his own life and all four of those aspects is uh, yeah, it was pretty special. Yeah, that's great. Let's get into it. Before jumping into our conversation with Joe Holly, we wanted to show some appreciation to our first ever sponsor of the podcast, The Legends Brand. Yeah, again, I mean, we're pumped to have legends on board. Um, they're founded by a group of former athletes who understand the daily grind of an athlete's life and, and set up with the goal to create the best athletic apparel around, you know, for the modern day athlete. Make sure you head over to legends.com and use the code SYM20 for 20% off your entire order. Recently got the new aviation joggers and man, they have been perfect for the fall weather. Ah, yeah, those are nice. I've been into the Hawthorne Tech. Uh, huge shout out to Legends for, for being the first sponsor of the podcast and, and stay tuned for some more exclusive deals coming soon. So let's now dive into our conversation with Joe Holly. All right, Joe, thanks for joining us. Uh, what do you got going on? Yeah, thanks, Riley. Tyler, appreciate you having me. Excited to drop in with you and, and talk about these uh, these topics. I think the world definitely needs more conversation around, especially men, showing up and being vulnerable and talking about what life actually is like. And, you know, I, I, I forget who it is, but connected with this nonprofit, it's called the same here movement. And they're trying to break the stigma of like, you know, all these, all these, uh, nonprofits talk about like one in five people have a mental health issue. And in reality it's five in five because everybody who has had experiences in their life that have shaped the lens in which they view reality, Um, a lot of times, I mean, everybody's had experiences that has shaped that. And so being able to process, look at those and understand how we got to where we are now and opening the conversation, it's okay to have the wide breadth of feelings and what those are like. And a lot of times we don't feel safe enough to actually express them. So opening up this conversation is something I'm very passionate about as well, especially as athletes. I'm glad you brought that up. We've actually, we've had some, uh, some contact with the same here movement guys and I mean, especially yeah. right now, there's a lot of stuff going on in the hockey world and football. We have, we have like Calvin Ridley just came out and spoke, and Lane Johnson. There's been some hockey players. Yeah, too, what, what are they? Football, I so. saw a little bit about that. I don't watch a lot of TV or follow along on sports that much anymore. What what did they talk about? With in regards to Calvin, yeah, like Ridley. Calvin Ridley and um, Lane Johnson, what were their stories? Briefly, well, I, Calvin Ridley just took a leave leave of absence to focus i mean just reading the headlines of of articles just mm-hmm. took a leave of absence to focus on his well-being um, oh interesting and they I, and i saw one article i got to read it that the same here posted and it was kind of like 
a little bit of uh, concern over manipulation over how the journalists kind of explain why and I mean the severity of it and stuff and not and the really. context really right exactly so but it's good to I mean I'm I think same here does a good job of putting it into perspective and like I mean kind of taking away that manipulations that sometimes the media media has yeah and even the like my from my experience playing in the NFL for eight years I mean there's a huge manipulation for the players and how they're treated by the front office and internally and like how they're treated like commodities right and it is really hard mentally to have to show up and have this high performance anxiety nonstop. like if I make one little mistake you know and if I do talk about how I'm struggling then you know I could lose my job and so it's not conducive for the conversation to even take place because everybody's so focused on you know it's such a highly competitive environment like if you have one little thing off then you'll get replaced in a second and it's happened to me multiple times I know it's happened to a lot of people and so it's yeah it's really 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 challenging as a as a professional athlete to really show up and have it all together I mean yeah and then you go out there and you're you're not right you're whatever's bothering you and and I mean I'm curious like you have have you ever had games like that like I've had games where I've gone out and it's just like pure panic and it's almost like an absolute blur like I don't it's not I don't remember but just things are happening and I'm just like a total robot just going off my experiences and the history of being a hockey player just kind of making these decisions um but my but my head is not it's totally not there I mean I've had a really crazy career very up and down I mean lost my starting job five different times for five different reasons you know I've experienced it all like you know, one one of the hardest moments of my career was, you know, I, I was playing right guard my second year. This is in like 2012. And then the starting center was like a 14-year vet. So he was going to go set to retire the following year. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be the starting center. That's what they drafted me for. And like I had this idea that I was going to have my own long 10-year career as a starting center for the Falcons. And with the first pick that draft, they ended up drafting the best center in, in the draft and to replace me. And it was like the rug was ripped out from under me. So I went from thinking I was going to be the starter to barely making the team the following year. And I just went into this like real dark depression and like blaming everybody else. Like, you know, this coach doesn't like me or they don't understand. And it's kind of sitting back and waiting for my opportunity, waiting for someone to give it to me. And it just like was it was so hard. Like every day after practice, I go have a few beers, drink, um, taking a lot of pain pills, just trying to escape. And um, actually ended up getting suspended for taking Adderall, popped a PED test. And so that was just another downward spiral. And so it just led me all the way down to this point of I was about to get cut by the team like week 16. We're about to be the number one seed in the playoffs. And it was just like this really challenging thing. But it was a huge wake up call for me. And it was a really transformative moment because from that moment on, when I actually got cut, it was the first time I was filled with all this regret because I knew I was going to be on, you know, the streets without a job. And like my dream was squandered and it was nobody's fault but mine because I knew that I could have given more. And so that feeling was really profound for me moving forward. It's like, I, I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to do everything I know I can do to make this happen. And then it got to a point where I was tired of having to do that because I was like, why do I have to keep proving myself? Who am I trying to prove it to? And that was what started the journey of walking away from the game, which I'm sure you'll realize you already we talked about a little bit before the show is like how to unravel those stories. Um, there's a lot of them and they're pretty deep. And so I think it's a 
it's just a, it's being able to hold space for athletes and what they go through, not just through the journey of their playing careers, but off the field and transitioning out and just, yeah, there's so many different layers to it. And like, I mean, you touch on like the layers aspect too. Like there's a lot in that story, just even the whole, you know, getting cut, going into depression, the alcohol, little things like that. And I mean, you got to feel as a male athlete that you, okay, I got to suffer in silence. You know, like I'm not telling anybody about this. I'm just going to come to the, I'm going to come to the stadium. I'm going to do my thing. Like, I'm not going to share any feelings or thoughts. Like, was that something that was just so instilled in you that, that, you know, I, I, I can't tell anybody what's going on inside my mind. Yeah, I think it's more for me, it was the nobody else understands what's going on, right? Like, yeah, other teammates do, but those are the only guys. And so I had a few teammates on each team where we would like, you know, go be like, oh, man, this is challenging. And it was more like kind of bitching to each other. It wasn't this healthy, like, hey, like, how you doing? Like, what's coming up for you? It was yeah. like, oh, man, this is so fucking hard. And we would like, you know, just vent our stresses and our anxieties. And having that was really important because it was a place to like vent and not hold on to it all. But as far as like, especially when I walked away from the game, like nobody understood what that decision was like, you know, like you were saying, Riley, like my, I told my dad, he was like, you're going to say no to $4 million, like in your, your, your childhood dream. Like, what are you talking about? So I felt unsupported by my parents, my fiance at the time. She was, she was like kind of getting attached to the identity of being a football player's wife. We were engaged. I was like, hey, I think this is going to be my last year. And she's like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? And then you know, she's like, my friends, like the only people that really understood me walking away from the game when I did was my a few of my teammates that understood how challenging and how hard it is. And they're like, good for you, man. Like, yeah. I know it takes a lot of courage to do that because you're not, I mean, you're not just walking away from the game. You're questioning everything of who you are. And yeah. to say no to millions of dollars and all this, like all these stories of like having to work there. And I think part of me, like that was really after processing over the last few years, I had to really grieve the loss of the game of football. Because when I think back to when I first started playing, like I loved the game of football so much. I loved yeah. the game of football in college. I loved the game of football when I played on Sundays. But the business of the NFL like kind of robbed me of that love. And I had such a bad taste in my mouth. And that was part of the reason I wanted to leave because it was like all this other bullshit that goes along with it. And I actually had to properly grieve the loss of this thing that I love so much which there's not a lot of space in our society for that, right? Like grief is, I've reflected a lot on this, like grief is one of the most profound forms of love you can experience, to have loved and to to have lost. And we're constantly losing things, right? The, the, the nature of this reality is impermanent. So everything's always constantly shifting. And so we don't have space or know how to hold space for people to actually properly grieve the loss of something. That's when we hold on to that energy and that's when it comes out in mental illness or not being able to process or be present because we're just holding on to all this energy. And so that's the healing journey is allowing to create, allowing there to be space for us to fully feel our emotions when they come up and they're intense. And so it makes people uncomfortable. Um, but that's something I'm really passionate about is creating that safety, especially for men to like, Hey, it's okay. Feel it fully feel what you're going to feel. And a lot of times when you allow yourself to grieve fully, it's actually a very, cathartic and it feels good although it's really intense and a lot of people like can't handle it because it is so intense but if you reframe that into like this is actually love like the most profound feeling of love you can experience it's beautiful well that's like we we speak about it a lot just that's the whole vulnerability thing right like just being open to whatever comes comes at you there's chaos you lose people in your life you you have covid pandemic you have all this stuff just being able to accept it sit with it and then kind of react 
in some sort of way that is best for you. But I don't know. I just, I think too, by like what you're saying, like grieving with it and just being open to change, like you did it right. Like you did, you, you've started it. Like we've, we kind of read up about you like high school to being, uh, was it, um, university of Nevada. Then you went on to play your eight seasons professional. Like you did it. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to a point where it's like, well, especially if you, if you're a free thinker, if you're, um, if you're expressive, I think, I think it comes out of you where, I mean, you start to kind of go down these different avenues of like, is, is there more to life? And you, you did your accomplishments, you, you played in the league and now it's like, Hey, well, what else is there? And where's my purpose? What's that process like for you right now, Riley? Cause I know you said you've played 10 years now or. Yeah, this will be my 10th year. So, so coming um, up, I mean, playing a long time, can't play forever. Is it very much on your mind? How are you handling that? Like what, like thinking about what's next? I love this. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like it's, it's tough, man. Like it's like, I think especially like the roller coaster. And I mean, th- this is our fourth different team in four years. So we got to pick up and move and um, kind of just the grind never stops. But like you said, like I envisioned when I was, a little kid playing road hockey and playing junior hockey when I was 15 years old. And then all those memories that I have, they come to now. And it's like, I still got, I still got lots left in the tank. My body doesn't feel too bad. Like I love going to the rink, being around the guys and um, the camaraderie that comes with it, but the constant kind of pressure of showing up for games and in a role that you don't get the most fulfillment out of, um, you really have to find it. It's tough. So, and for me, I, I, I just see so much opportunity out there with like whatever industry or whatever job that I'd like to get in, whether it's in hockey, whether it's like what I think what you do helping people, especially helping athletes really open up their mind to, um, developing other areas of their life, I think is just something that's really appealing to me. So, um, mm. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And I think that's kind of our podcast here is, is powered by a company called Torch Pro. And that's the whole goal of them is to get athletes to start thinking about like, well, what else outside of the game am I really passionate about? And how can I make that um, open for opportunity once I'm done playing? Yeah, I think that's hard that like a lot of people don't understand how you know, I was always told playing, like, make sure you have a backup plan. You can't play forever. Make sure when when you're done, you can transition easy. You have, you know, whether it's going to school or, you know, just, but it, you you can't really. Like, to, to make it in such a highly competitive environment, you have to be so singularly focused on achieving this thing every day. Because as soon as your mind's to go somewhere else, you're going to be like, okay, I'm not going to either be able to show up in the way I need to for this to compete at this level, or I'm just going to kind of lose interest and go do the other thing. And so, to be in it, you have to be so singular focused. And yeah, some some guys go back to school in the off season and do like different internships, but it still does not prepare you for when all of a sudden your whole identity and everything you've built up around you and the way not only you see yourself in the world, but the world sees and reflects back to you who you are. Like that's the deepest journey ever. And until you go on it and actually try different things and get out in the world, and it's like you're so far behind that process as far as you know, people go to college and they get out 20, 21, 22, and then they go down to the workforce or go travel and go try different things. 
you know, for me, it was like 29, 30 years old. And I'm like, I've, I don't even know like what I'm interested in. I'm like a novice and all this stuff. And so it kind of takes that, got to eat a little bit of humble pie and go out in the world and be like, okay, what am I good at? What do I want to do? What, what excites me? And that's a whole journey in itself. And I don't think, you know, I think a lot of guys too, they, they jump right into something because that, that stillness, that, that year or two where it's like, I don't have anything going on. It's hard. So they try to dive into something to start getting, get going. Like, I'm really grateful that I decided to, to take like a little road trip. And I, luckily, I mean, I played long enough where I had enough resources where I didn't have to, you know, work, worry about money, especially right away. So I gave myself that time and that space to like go explore the world, go explore myself, like figure out who I am on these deeper layers. And like, that's the, the beautiful thing about being a pro athlete and transitioning. It is this, this massive ego death. And so although you're really raw in those moments, it's a beautiful opportunity to ask the deeper questions. And I think yeah. when you can start asking those questions, you can really show up and, and really have a big impact in the world because you really want to be of service to others. Yeah. Yeah. And you can definitely start to have, I mean, even some more self-awareness and that even that knowledge within yourself, like, wow, you know, I can do this, but uh, I wanted to go back. Sorry. I had, I got to chime in about the, the grief and the whole purest form of love. Like I've, I've never thought about it that way. Um, obviously, you know, with, with our situation, we lost 16 amazing, amazing people. And the grief process was complex. And for me, I had never went through grief. I had never went through loss. I had never went through anything like that. So for me, it was just like, oh, you know, like, why would I go out in public and laugh and smile and enjoy life? You know, why would I go out and do this? You know, like I'm, there's 16 families who have lost somebody that means so much to them, you know, like, why should I be able to go out and do anything? You know, why can I move forward? But I mean, as you kind of move on and move forward with a grieving process I think you definitely start to understand that you know you can move forward with grief you know you can move forward with with the people that you lost you know like you can still hold on to the fact that you know you can hold on to that hope that they want you to get back you know they want you to get back to that human and they want you to get back to that loving human that can you know go out and and experience things and, and meet new people and little things like that but um I'll uh, I'll go back to what you kind of had um there was a quote by your sister, actually, you know, that it was about how the life of football con consumed you and didn't leave any room for, you know, your creativity and your free thinking. Um, I watched one thing where you mentioned how, you know, in high school, you were in art class, which I love. And I guess now reflecting back kind of just what you talked about, like, is there anything that you can tell yourself? Like if you were to speak to yourself as you were coming into the NFL about that whole physical and mental consumption of the sport? Oh, if I could like go back to and give yeah. myself advice. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wish I could. I would. I think the one thing I would tell myself is, is how badass a human I am, you know, and like how capable I am and don't take no shit from anybody. Like go earn like what you're here to earn. Like this is what you wanted. Don't wait for an opportunity. That story I shared earlier, it's like when I got to the NFL, it's I was always the best player on every team I played on. And I got to the NFL and it's like confronted me with, you know, huge worthiness stories. Like all of a sudden I'm playing with the best in the world at practice and like every day, every rep, it's like, holy shit. And I was getting burned sometimes and like failing way more than I was used to. And so it just confronted me with all this stuff. And then the playbook was so massive that like I wasn't able to comprehend it. And like I was really struggling, getting frustrated. And like I just kept reinventing myself and going and building more and more confidence. But it was, you know, if I could go back and be like, dude, you belong here go take what you're meant to take and don't wait for it. Um, I think my entire career would be, you know, my entire life would obviously be different, but you know, it's cool as I've gotten to that point now and you know, I'm still just turned 33 
And so, you know, what, how good can it get? Like, what can I create? And I know I've realized now, especially like doing one of the, mo- the hardest statistical things to do. I was always told like, you know how hard it is to make the NFL? You know how hard it is to make the NFL? I not only made it, but I played eight years. And while I was playing, I never really appreciated that. And now that I'm done looking back, it's like, holy shit, I've done everything I've ever put my mind to. If I really want something, I can go get it. And so getting really clear on like, okay, what do I want to do? Well, I want to help. I want to have an impact. I want to help people. I want to help men be able to really live fully and express themselves. And it's like when you realize you're the only person holding you back from accomplishing anything you could ever put your mind to, it's almost overwhelming the responsibility that that puts on you. Um, but it's like, let's go play big. Let's go change the world. Like, what else can we create? And showing up and challenging myself in those ways has been one hell of a journey, and it's a lot of fun. What What would your advice be? in terms of someone who's playing like actively playing and that like sitting with those thoughts or like are you a meditation guy or do you journal or like because sometimes I find it's good in the mornings to put those things to paper and write about like okay like I am deserving of this list out accomplishments about what you've done watch your highlight reel like just give yourself a little bit of a kick in the ass and that like you do belong there. Like, do you have any certain modality or anything that you, you would suggest? Yeah. I think meditation and journaling are two of the most profound like tools you can use. I think journaling, something really magical happens. You can like actually connect and and communicate with the deeper parts of your psyche. And I've learned a lot about like psychology and the way the mind works and journaling actually there's there's different aspects of who we are inside of us right like we all have multiple personalities like different experiences kind of live within us it's kind of like if we are acting really funny and we're just like in that humorous mode like there that's that's a part of us then when we're locked in on game day we're really like channeling aggression and like really showing up like that's a different part of us and so there's to realize there's different parts of our psyche all living within us and being able to write and journal when you have something coming up is a way to communicate with those different parts of yourself um, and to, you know, do uh, like positive affirmations as well. Like this works really well for even getting ready for a game is like building yourself confidence. Like I am statements and like, I am worthy. I am the best player on the field. Like just different things like create stories within your mind through repetition. And for me, meditation, I started about halfway through my career and um, yeah, I mean, realizing that, all of these stories are really us trying to either predict the future or regret around the past. And when we're living in our minds, we're not actually living in the present moment. So like the more present you can be with the experience, um, the more fulfilled you're going to feel, the happier you're going to be, the more joy. And and you're going to be able to express emotions as they come up. If like grief comes up or sadness, like that's okay. That's what I'm feeling right now. Not trying to create a story around it. So all of these things, it really comes down to self-awareness. Like, how do I train my awareness to be more present now? And what I would say to anybody that's playing, like, for me, it was really hard because I'd get lost in how hard the day-to-day grind was and the monotony and my physical body would be so beat up. And I would be like, man, like, I have to go practice. And all of that, like, just is a, it's, takes so much energy. And so I'm really grateful because, like, my last year, I decided at the beginning of the year that it was going to be my last year playing. And because I did that, I was able to be really present. I, I promised myself, I was like, okay, I'm just going to be super present for this whole year. Like all the good stuff, all the bad stuff. I'm not going to try and be anywhere but right now because I know at one point in my life, I'm going to look back on this moment and be like, damn, I never get to do that again. And that's really sad. And if I don't 
experience this fully right now, then I'm going to like be thinking about what it's going to be like when I'm done. Then all I'm going to be doing is thinking about when it, when I was actually playing. And so like, we're always in these stories in our mind of like, Oh, I want to be somebody somewhere. But then when we're there, we're thinking back at the time now and be like, Oh wow, that was one of the best times of my life. So it's, how do we just be present with the experience as it's unfolding in real time? And I think the more you can drop into that, like the better life will become. Yeah. I guess, uh, I agree. like, yeah, I mean, I, well, I could listen to you all day, man, honestly, <laughs> but I guess like even like in that last year playing, like you made a, a goal, you know, you made it a focus to be present. Um, do you find that looking back, like you really developed a lot of stronger relationships and connections and have better experiences just because you made that a main goal of yours to be present in those, those situations, those relationships, those connections and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really, it's, it's, it's still a challenge, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, and like, I think the key is not to judge yourself when you're not being present. And that's why like going and meditating and sitting on your mat, you, you start to realize it just builds your awareness of how much you actually struggle with being present. Like if you go sit down for five minutes and just try and find stillness, <laughs> you just notice your thoughts and you'll be like, oh shit, I'm like lost in my thoughts again. How do I let that go? And so it's not necessarily, it's not about trying to absolve yourself of the thinking mind. It's about developing and training the ability to let go of thoughts as they come with non-judgment because you're always ha having thoughts. And so right now it's like, if I get a thought, then I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to run with it and kind of play it out. How fast can I just let it go and come back to the present moment? And that's what you're training when you're meditating. So a lot of people go, oh, I can't meditate because my mind's so crazy. It's like, that's, you probably need it more than most people. And so it's like, how do I just let go of those? Let go of those, like, you know, it's like the analogy when you sit down and meditate, it's like, if you, if you see a blue sky, like that's your awareness and like thoughts are clouds. And so sometimes you might get triggered or something bad might happen. You might have a storm of clouds, but behind that is still the blue sky. Like everything is the blue sky. And so to not attach to the clouds as who you are, but allowing them to pass by and letting the storm pass by. And the faster you can do that and come back into presence, you can come back into that, that sunshine. And so it's just, that's, that's the tool is training your awareness. And it's just like a muscle, right? Like as athletes, like we go into the gym, like what happens when you do a curl? Like it rips micro tears in your muscle. And then when it heals back, it's stronger. So the actual resistance is breaking down your muscles. So meditation is just like curls or like reps. And so every time you catch yourself, oh, I'm lost in thought. Let me let go and come back. That's one rep. And like that might be minutes apart. And then all of a sudden it's 30 seconds apart. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I have a thought. I can just let them go in real time and then decide how I want to think. And that's where like positive affirmations and journaling, because you can actually slow down your mind enough to implant new stories and become what you think. I'm interested what you're, uh, when you like, you talk about when you're playing like your injuries, we, we've read off your injuries and it was just, the list is probably too long to go through. <laughs> Yeah. how hard is it to do i i find there's such a i mean how my body feels and how my psyche is it runs parallel like if my body's feeling good if i get a good like if i get some good treatment if i'm on my routines and and going through that it's smooth sailing but mm -hmm. as soon as i start my my body starts to go down like we play back to back we have point like a flight it's a long flight where different time zones sleep is off i think that's one of the biggest challenges um for my mind, I'm wondering, I mean, football, like you guys are, you guys push your bodies through the ringer. I'm wondering what you're uh, trying to meditate while your hips are throbbing and whatever, like that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. You know, I've definitely my body, even now. So like, like now my body is in so much pain each day. So if, 
I've really developed a strong yoga practice because that's it, right? Like all of this stuff ties back and it's tied together. Like you got the four bodies, you got the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, and the spiritual body. And the foundation of all of them is the physical body. And the problem with where a lot of people are at is they don't even understand what feeling good in their body feels like, right? Like we're, we're eating shitty food. We're not moving. We're not getting out and getting sunlight. Um, so we, you know, just inflammation in our bodies. Like if we don't know what feeling good feels like, how are we supposed to access, you know, our emotional awareness, our mental bodies, and even connecting to something that's greater than ourselves. You're just so locked in and not feeling good. And so, you know, and as an athlete, I'm really grateful that I was able to connect and have this real strong awareness, like spatial awareness within my body, just like heightened more than normal people can even understand. But then once I started taking care of my diet and what I feel my body, it's allowed me to understand my emotions better, be more clear mentally, have a, have a window of tolerance within my nervous system. Like I can actually have an awareness of when my nervous system's activated. When I eat something now that like makes my stomach feel shitty, it's like, oh, I can like, oh, that's probably because this thing I just ate, so I just won't eat that anymore. And so it's all connected in that way. And that was part of the reason I walked away from the game was like my body was in so much pain and I made this decision like, you know, I I have enough money to be financially free and do I want to continue making more millions of dollars or do I want to choose my health and my longevity and that was a really tough decision to make. But what I kept telling myself during that time is I truly believe I'm going to make more money outside of football than I ever did playing. You know, and I made $13 million in my career. And so it's like, how do I do that? I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to get into business. I wanted to get into investing. And not with the purpose of making money, but to be of service and have impact. And I've learned so much over the last few years on <clears throat> on how to do that, how to use the energy of money as a resource to continue to expand expand and grow and support other people um and not doing it in a selfish way in this but in this abundant way and i'm you know very excited about the momentum that's building with all the projects i'm working on and it's just so much fun and i get to do it from a place of i'm in the driver's seat of my life creating it and when i was playing football it was like what am i really doing this for i got to a point i was like am i doing this because my dad thinks it's stupid for me to walk away or because i don't really know who i am without this thing and so it's a very courageous act. I mean, it's it's with anybody, right? It's like a heightened thing with with athletes to confront that. It's like on such a pinnacle thing. But everybody gets faced with these major transitions in their life. Like, let's say you're in a relationship and you're like 85% happy, but you're like, I kind of, I know I deserve that just like something perfect, right? Like, and so you have to choose yourself, like self-love over being comfortable with the somebody that makes you 85% happy. And to realize like we all deserve to have everything we've ever wanted or desired. And so if you're in a job, then you're like, ah, like I'm 85% happy, but I don't really care about the, you know, the actual work we're doing. Like my day to day is not that bad, but like the purpose of the company is not really aligned with me, but you know, it's okay. I'm comfortable. It's because it takes courage to say, I deserve to go live life to the fullest. And I think a part of that is confronting the impermanence of life, right? And like you having this experience where like you lose, I mean, what a profound experience in confrontation with death. Like most people don't ever actually confront death in that way. And when you learn to process and understand the impermanence, yes, there's a lot of grief there, but to reflect on the impermanence of life, I don't believe you can really fully live to the fullest until you understand that this is a finite experience and you're going to die one day. And until you confront that death, you're not actually going to show up and have the courage to go live life to the fullest because, you know, what else, what's the, what's the alternative? Like go, go be not fully happy and then just wither away and die one day. It's like, that's not the point of living. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think even like to something I've learned along the way is like self-compassion over self-esteem. 
um, like being able to have enough self-compassion within yourself to, you know, get through that and get through that, you know, that misconception that, oh, it's not, it, it's actually pretty weak when you open up or it's actually pretty weak when you become vulnerable mm-hmm. or little things like that. I mean, there were so many misconceptions that like, it's not like anybody in hockey taught us, you know, like, don't, don't tell anybody, you know, like, don't be vulnerable. Don't do anything like that. But I think there was just that hockey culture, thank God mm-hmm. is now shifting, but I mean, it's just instilled in us that, that there's this misconception that, okay, there's going to be shame. There's going to be weakness, but I mean, I, it took one person telling me straight up, just be like, okay, that's a courageous thing. You know, like that takes mm-hmm. a ton of strength. That takes a ton of bravery to be able to, you know, have a conversation or have that, that self-compassion within yourself to, to move on and to, to have these experiences and to be able to make these new connections and little things like that. And um, I really want to get into, you know, like that transition out of the game. Um, I think you obviously kind of touched on, you know, how you had a couple guys um, that, you know, reached out and said, good for you. Like the, the real ones that knew um, what was that response like, you know, like you kind of touched on it with your dad, but like, as you kind of moved on and, and started to find your new purpose and started to experience these new things and start these new adventures, kind of, what was that process like? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah. It's like so complex, so nuanced, so many layers and, you know, having, you know, I think four years now I'm done. So being able to process and, and reflect back on what that journey was, it was not how it felt in the moment, you know, like in the moment when I first walked away from the game, like there was a part of me that was super excited to experience the freedom. It was like this, this self-created prison of my mind that I created. And that's not a bad thing. Like I needed to get there to actually accomplish such a hard thing to accomplish is become that things, you know, but then it was almost like I created this prison around myself and I was like, wait, like, who am I now? Like, I don't even know who I am outside of this thing. And so like, I wanted to break out of those walls and experience that freedom. And so, you know, when I I broke off my engagement because I was unsupported and there's a lot of different levels to that relationship and why I broke it up, but I broke up with her like four weeks before my final game. And so like a few weeks after that final game, I felt so isolated and alone and like not supported by anybody. And it was like reflecting on it now, it was like the grief, it was a feeling of grief. It was like this actual hole in my heart that was so intense. And I remember I would go over to one of my teammates, like lived a few blocks down and I would just ride my bike over his house and I would so grateful for him because he would he would just hold space for me, allow me to just cry. And like it was just so much more layers than just I, mean, I can't play football anymore. It's like I'm losing like part of me is dying, literally like this identity of who I am, this part of my psyche that's been built up is no longer who I am. And so it's like actively dying and grieving that. And so there's all these different layers. And I really just wanted to it was part it was almost like this. uh Like I knew I just needed to get moving like I knew if I stayed in stayed in Tampa. I didn't really have anybody there except like being an athlete there. And so I knew once the next season started, I'd be like, holy shit, really feeling it because everybody else is going back to training camp and I'm just sitting there. And so the, the only thing I think of is like, I need to go on a road trip and just go like travel and go experience life and get my mind off of this. And yeah, there was an aspect of me that was kind of running away from need, like being able to process that fully. I was like, I'm just going to go. But because I went on that journey, like I learned so much about myself and I started this healing process and I started learning about my physical body and like losing all the weight I was carrying. And, you know, then I started getting into like plant medicine and psychedelics trying to take care of my brain health and my emotional health. And those had like a profound impact on my life. And so it's just been this journey, constant journey of self-discovery. And I've learned like, Oh shit. Like there's been so many examples of me just like going into the unknown being outside my comfort zone and how, it's just led to the most incredible experiences, meeting the most incredible people. And so now I'm in this place. It's like, okay, like 
I love being uncomfortable. It's like, what else can I go do that's uncomfortable and get out of my comfort zone and continue to, to grow and meet people and connect. And it's just like, there's this, there's something greater and I don't know what to call it or put my finger on it, but there's something that is, you know, you call it creation. There's something greater than myself that is guiding me and guiding me into the unknown and learning to trust that. And that's like that spiritual body, right? Like, no matter what your beliefs are, it doesn't really matter as long as you believe that there's something greater than yourself, which the beautiful thing about going through an ego death, like losing the sense of self with football is like, I literally didn't know who I was. Like that's what an identity crisis is. And so if I'm not this thing that I thought I was, then there's something greater than that, what that thing was. And so that's, you know, this belief that there's something greater than the story construct of who we think we are. And the more we can connect with that and trust that and communicate with that, and like whether you're doing through journaling, meditating, prayer, you know, just trusting the unknown, when you can learn to connect with that, it's, it's when life really becomes magical and you learn to have gratitude and trust for all the experiences and just being with what is. And it's part of being present is not judging where you're at, but trusting that where you're at is exactly where you're supposed to be. And it's just a part of the journey, not the destination. Thanks like for letting me riff right there. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That was, uh, that was good. Do you find, do you find, uh, I don't know how into like that whole, um, analyzing yourself and spirituality. You, I don't know if you had that when you were playing, like, did you, were you kind of into that your last little bit playing or is that more of like a recent four uh, years? It's retirement definitely thing? unfolded recently. Like this keeps exponentially growing, but I would say like halfway through my career, is when I started, I started meditating and I had a lot of resistance to meditation because I, I grew up in like an evangelical Christian house, uh, like very kind of dogmatic and closed minded. And so I always had these deeper questions, like had a lot of resistance to that, deeper questions. And I was actually told that like meditation was Eastern mysticism and it's how the devil makes its way in your mind. And so like, <laughs> I was like that kind of closed off. Um, and so like halfway through my, my career, these like mindset coaches came that knew our coach and he was like, you know, we're going to, it was like an app, but he talked about meditation in this, like, you know, like, like I just said, like working out, it's like working out your mind, working out your awareness. It has nothing, it doesn't have to be spiritual at all. It's just like, you know, training your awareness to be more present. Like, and he's like, what if you could decrease your stress, decrease your anxiety, increase your focus and your performance on the field? Like, why would you not try it? I'm like, you know what? He's right. And during that time I started, um, another big, you know, thing that really helped me evolve and grow was reading books. And so I started reading books like my fourth or fifth year. And it was because I played with Tony Gonzalez, and this is actually a pretty cool story. He got up, uh, played with him for four years, one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Um, and he never really gave speeches or anything. And his final game, the Saturday before his final game, we were, like, not going to the playoffs or anything. So it was, like, his last football game he was ever going to play. And he's, he asked the coach if he could stand up and say a few words. And he's, like, never given a speech before. And I was just, like, glued to my seat. And he said a few things. He's like, these are the three things that I attribute my success to. And I forget what two of them are, but one of them he said is I, I read books. And that kind of blew me away. I was like, wow, like he's the best ever to play the game. And there's three things that he puts his like success on. And one of them was reading books. And I was like, I don't ever read books. I was like, maybe that's something I could try doing. So I remember reaching out to him at that off season. I was like, what books should I read? You know? And so he gave me a couple different books and that's what started me on, on, you know, reading path. And now, you know, I got all these books right here just like absorbing yeah, knowledge and wisdom and you know when you read you can get really into someone's mind and their thought process and there's just so much information out there and 
that's when and I you're started still really you're handy. still right like you you're focusing on one thing you're looking at your phone you're like scrolling one mm-hmm. instagram account and there's another profile then there's another your brain's just all over the place i find i mean i wouldn't say i'm a huge reader but i find when i when i do it's just like i'm focused on one thing i'm like it's relaxing if you're reading something that's knowledgeable you're taking in information no i i agree with you fully yeah and i started getting like understanding the brain right because about halfway through my career is when all this stuff around cte started coming out and like traumatic brain injuries and obviously playing football and i'm sure like hockey like this is stuff we think about and i was like halfway through my career all that like that concussion movie came out i actually still haven't watched it because i'm just like i don't know if i'll be able to play <laughs> if I know I'm what's the same going way. On, right i haven't watched it either <laughs> so i started learning like how can i be proactive about my brain health i don't want to like be one of those people that just goes crazy all of a sudden and doesn't know how to handle it and it's you know the thing with the brain is like you don't know it's not like you're choosing to go crazy it's just your entire lens in which you view reality shifts and that's really quite frightening and so i started realizing okay neuroplasticity neurogenesis the brain if it loses brain cells doesn't mean it's a death sentence like there's ways and there's science showing that our brain is a muscle it can grow like they can there's brain surgeons that i actually have talked to that say they can tell if someone sat in front of a tv their entire lives when they do an autopsy after they die because the brain is literally atrophied and small and they said you know if the brain is very vibrant and big and glowing is like that person definitely read a lot and so learning about neuroplasticity like what are the things that create new neural pathways in your brain? Um, learning novel experiences and learning something new creates new neural pathways. So reading books checks that off. Nutrition, like what foods are you f- fueling your body? Like making sure you're not doing high inflammatory foods. And like there's you know brain superfoods you can find. And then travel, right? Like novel experiences. Like when I was in the van, I was traveling and constantly going into the unknown. And when you when you get out of routine, like the brain wants to create new routine so that the neural pathways get grooved and it gets easier just to go through life. But you know that's when you kind of get on autopilot. So you have to shake it up now every now and then. And that's why I think spontaneity is such a big thing. Like if you can do something spontaneous once a day in your life that you don't normally do, that will have a profound like that simple thing. But it's so hard because we're such routine creatures, right? Creatures of habit. And so it's like, how do we continue to create new neural pathways in our brain? And it's by continuing to get outside our comfort zone. So literally, in order to grow the brain, you have to get outside of your comfort zone. And if you are in your comfort zone, you're going to atrophy. You're going to, it's going to become suffocating. You're not going to grow because you're just going to go into autopilot. And that's why people are suffering. It's like, how do you get out of that? It's like, continue it's like, to push yourself. Even like something as simple as like brushing your teeth with your left hand or like doing like, I've read about like just little, like little habits that you get so used to doing something one way. It's like, okay, well, let's work it. Let's try to like open some other pathways up. Oh, that's great. You said that. Yeah, I think I really resonate. I wish I was a book reader. Oh my gosh. I I think there's so much knowledge to, to, yeah. Um, I'm a, but I'm a big podcast guy. And I think that Mm. in some way aligns, um, I started like obviously podcast kind of after the accident and, I think it was such a way for me to connect with, you know, these people, these celebrities and all these other like big names or whether it was a psychologist or whatever, and, and be able to connect with them on something that I never thought I'd be able to connect with somebody like on that scale with, you know, to hear their perspective and to be like, oh, wow, you know, never thought about it that way or, or little things like that. So I think I, I, I definitely align with that. And yeah, I, uh, I, I wish I was a book reader, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> what, are, what are some podcasts? What are some podcasts that uh, that really helped you through that process? Uh, like Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. Um, he he's my favorite. I think 
I mean, he brings on such a variety of guests from everybody from Barack Obama to, you know, Tom Brady came on to, to just everybody. And it's a, it's super neat to hear those new perspectives. Cause I know like when I speak, like I, I literally just say like, okay, like this is just my story. You know, this is just my perspective. Mm. And this is just how, you know, over these past few years, even with experience, like, you know, like looking back, I've tried so many new things and I've tried to challenge myself in so many different aspects that I probably wouldn't have normally done if the accident didn't happen. You know, like mm. went to Europe for three weeks. I tried snowboarding. I tried all these things. And um, I think now it's fulfilling, you know, it's fulfilling to try new things and to be spontaneous and, and to have that in your life and to have those new experiences. So, yeah. What a gift, huh? Yeah, you could say that. But uh, I wanted to touch on, I've had my few hysterical cries over the past couple of years. And, uh, and you know, there's that one moment where you went into your backyard and you, you knelt on the grass and you, and you cried and, uh, and you touched on, you know, how you feel so connected to how far you've come in your own journey. And I think that's such a profound thing. And I think that's such a, a thing that gets overlooked, you know, to be able to be proud of yourself, to be able to really focus on your journey and focus on those steps you took and um, how, what was that like, you know, like, what was that like to just feel so grounded and feel so comfortable and fulfilled in the fact that you have come so far on this journey? Yeah, it feels good. And it's, you know, understanding that it's, it's, it's this in, internal journey, right? Like mm -hmm. understanding myself and I've done a lot of reflection, like I've talked about, it's, you know, one of the foundational stories of why I made it so far in football is because I wanted my dad to be proud of me. I wanted him to just like show up and like love me. And I was like seeking that external validation. And I think this is a, a collective story that we're all kind of working through as a society, right? Is we're all looking outside of ourselves for achievements, for accomplishments, for success. And we get lost because we're trying to receive that validation from people and probably specifically from our parents. And for me, like my dad, my dad was not a bad dude. He was around in my life. He just wasn't very present and he didn't know how to give me what I needed in those moments. And so what I realized after some of this deeper healing work is that was a hole within myself that I was trying to fill with things outside of myself, right? And what I realized is that none of those things are going to actually fill that. It's a never ending cycle that leads on for infinity away from the present moment, right? And so what I learned is I have to find that love within myself, that that pride, that worthiness for myself and reflecting on what I've accomplished and being proud of myself and not needing that love for, from anything outside of myself. And when I've come to that point where I, you know, especially this healing relationship with my parents is I used to have so much resentment from, from, from them or for them because all I wanted was to just be seen and heard for who I am. And I felt like they, they just couldn't give me that. And on this journey, what's been really beautiful is I've come to a place of knowing who I am, not because I'm trying to be something for somebody else, but I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. I, I love myself fully. And this has all been really, really deep, profound work. And I'm still very much on the journey, but until I've, come to a place of knowing who I am, loving myself for who I am, I couldn't show up and be that in front of my parents because I felt like I was trying to be something for them that I couldn't be. And so until I showed up with full self-love for myself, not needing love from them, it's actually allowed me to receive the love from them that they've always had for me because I, I am showing up fully authentically myself. And so it's this 
Yeah, it's been a wild journey. And I think it's really coming back to, to, to that, that inner journey that we're all on is like, how do I find that love within myself? Because nobody, nobody outside of myself can actually give me what I need or desire. It's this fulfillment internally that really matters. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the journey aspect for me is something that I always overlooked. I mean, I, I think I had this misconception that, you know, that there's going to be a magic formula. There's going to be a set of guidelines that I can follow. You know, I can win this battle. I can get over this healing journey and I can just move on. But I think even one of my favorite quotes is in seeking peace, the journey is as important as a result. And I think something as that as, you know, as subtle and as simple as that is so profound in the sense that it's true. You know, every day is a new experience. Every day is a new journey. And every step of the way is something that, you know, you can look back on and reflect on and be proud of and, and be proud of the fact that you're on this journey. You know, you're at the end of the day, you're still on this journey. So, yeah. And the journey is infinite. So yeah. there's no rush. Where are you trying to get to? Exactly. <laughs> Take your time. So, so Joe, what is so what has fatherhood done now to your perspective? <laughs> Let's talk oh. about that man like i said i'm all ears <laughs> yeah yeah it's oh it's it's uh there's a lot of layers to it we could probably have a whole few hour conversation about all those different layers but i would say just kind of reflecting back on my like just what i shared about my relationship with my dad and wanting that you know wanting him to say he's proud of me and that he loves me for who i am and just you, you know being able to i've always wanted that really strong father-son relationship and i i it's never been the way i've imagined it or wanted it to be but i've come to a place of like loving it for what it is which has been really beautiful but it's still you know i've always looked at like my friends with their dads and like how they have such a tight relationship like always desired that and so having a son has been really beautiful because i'm realizing okay i get to have that experience maybe not necessarily as the son but definitely as the father and so all of this kind of healing work I've done has set me up for the ability to hold hold space and be there with my son. And one of the things that's fascinating, when I was in high school, I remember telling myself, because my dad, like I said, he wasn't a bad dude. He just wasn't very present and didn't have a lot of life experience to share with me. It's just what I deeply desired. And so I remember in high school, I promised myself, I'm going to go live as much life as I possibly can and experience as much life so that when I have a son, I'm able to talk from a place of experience, not from a place of like, you know, go read the Bible or this is what the Bible says, or don't do that. Cause God, this, you know, like actual, like from experience, like be able to share openly and vulnerably and to reflect back, you know, I have Lucas seven months old now and just reflecting back on that was, I don't know, 15 years ago and like how much life I've actually lived and now getting to a place of like, Oh wow. Like he's going to have his own experience. It's not like, I don't need to project all of my, you know, all the things I wish I could have experienced or, accomplished with my life onto him because I'm going and living my own life. And I think in our society, we got this thing backwards where it's like, we see our, our, our kid and we're like, okay, like I always wanted to be an athlete, but luckily we were actually did that. But let's say like, I always wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor or uh, something other sport. And we project that onto our kids. Like, Oh, my kid can do that because if I would have started when I was this young, I would have been so good, but I just never did it. So we project all of our dreams onto our kids rather than the real way to inspire a kid is to go confront your fears, get outside your comfort zone and go challenge yourself to go live your dream now. And then as you do that, your kid's going to witness you doing that. And you're going to be able to include them in the process of like, Hey, like I failed, but this is why I'm showing up and that's, what's going to inspire them. And so it's this like, go out there and live your life to the fullest and allow your kid to live their life to the fullest. And it's more of this partnership and 
I'm super stoked about it. Like uh, it's the best journey ever and they grow up really fast. So like, is your, your wife's pregnant right now? You're about to have your first one. Yeah. We, uh, Christmas day due date. So oh, first nice. one, she's, yeah. So yeah. It's, no, I'd it's, say the first, the first few weeks is like, like whirlwind <laughs> and like it very quickly, like you get in the flow and it's not that bad. So, yeah. So we have, uh, like Olympics coming up in February. So the NHL goes on Olympic break. So we have almost the full month of February off, which will be super nice for us to kind of just like, I mean, yeah. for me to actually get to spend some time, feel like a father and everything, mm. not have to worry about the schedule. But yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's so like, I've been so much more dialed into like watching parents and watching my teammates with their kids. And even just like thinking about my friend's relationship with their parents, my relationship with my parents. Um, and it's funny you say that, like how, parents wishing they could have something back so then they push it onto their kids you mm -hmm. see it so much in sports it's crazy that's mm -hmm. like pretty much how the psycho football parent or the psycho hockey parent evolves yeah. right and it's you're just, gonna be successful I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah i'm you very gotta go pro for both of us <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm very thankful for my parents i mean especially my dad like throughout my hockey journey like there was no no like didn't matter scoring goals, score like assists, anything. It was all about work ethic and body language. And he would watch me every game and he'd be, he's so dialed in still to this day. I kind of feel bad because they're in Eastern time zone. I'm out here in Seattle and they got to stay mm. up all hours of the night to watch, but <laughs> they, uh, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's just like, just keep working, keep working. Don't sulk. Like if you don't get a pass, don't slouch your shoulders. If you, come off the ice and slam the door like that's not a good look like mm. so just kind of instilling all those things and I, I remember listening to a podcast and they talked about like your superhero or your the person that you look up to you don't want to them to favor you when when you score three goals and you have an unbelievable game compared to when you have a shitty game and you were on the ice for three goals against you know there's there shouldn't be a difference in how they treat you after that game because then it just gets you starting to think like I have to perform like this. Like mm. every game has got to be about these self-fulfilling accolades or whatever it is. And then when you do fail, then it's like, oh shit, it's the fan, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. it's focusing on how you showed up rather than the actual goals or assists, but like hey, you played really hard, you know, like leaning yeah. at, putting your head on that. I really yeah. like what you said about inspiring through experience. You know, like my, my situation is a little different. My dad's an amputee. Like he's got half of his, uh, I can't remember which leg. I guess. That's terrible of me. Uh, half of his one leg is uh, he was in an accident. And I mean, he hasn't had it my whole life. So, I mean, to be able to see him, you know, never back down from something or never be able to to not, you know, let something hinder him because of, you know, his his being an amputee. Um, I think it's something that, I mean, we do everything now. And I mean, I think obviously the accident, I at the end of the day, did strengthen our relationship. But I mean, now to be able to do an oil change and then just have sit and have a beer and have a meaningful conversation. I mean, it's something that five years ago, I probably would have never thought we'd be doing, but I mean, now, I mean, we can live these in, we can share these experiences. We can live these experiences and, and no matter what, no matter what reminder he has every day, we're still able to, you know, grow. And I think that's, uh, that's amazing, but I got to, I got to touch. I, have you been down to Banff, Coca Hall highway? Come on, bring that van down here. The Banff. Yeah. No, I haven't. It's been on the list for a long time, but uh, now I have a family and everything, so couldn't see it all. <laughs> but I'll, well, yeah, I would, I would love to get up there, man. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, if it, I, it's on your list. So I mean, at, at some list. point, Definitely. you got to come down. I've seen pictures and I've desired to be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there. Do you ever you come do. out? Did you ever travel? Ever bring you out here, in Seattle area, or? Yeah, I was actually just up in Seattle this summer. Uh, me and yeah. my wife did. Uh, we went up through Montana, Idaho, down through Seattle, and down the West Coast. It was a lot of fun over like eight weeks. Oh, yeah, so we still got it. It's a different journey with the baby, though. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you done much traveling with the baby? Like, yeah. I mean, that was an eight week road trip we did this summer. It was exhausting, uh, but a lot of fun. <laughs> it was just different. Um, and so, yeah, we're back in Austin now. So, I mean, me, me and my wife travel quite a bit. So now that we have the kid, we're kind of transitioning more grounded here gonna set some more roots which is nice yeah we've talked we've spoke about doing a rv home because we're we live in chicago so doing the seattle rv after the season do it but yeah it's just with the the baby will be probably like five months old or so um i don't know it's definitely a possibility stopping we're not moving yet they're just sitting there like this (laughs) (laughs) yeah no, I, I, I mean, I grew up, I always grew up camping and everything, nothing like crazy where we were traveling, campground, campground, but I, I love it. We did a camping trip a couple of summers ago. That was, that was a ton of fun. So I think mm. it'd be a blast, but. Should definitely do it, man. Just have yeah. on speed dial. He'll help you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me know yeah I was, I was reading, uh, I was reading, you had a flat tire or something and it was like the first time you ever had to change a spare yeah. or change a flat. I've never had a flat I'm, tire I'm before. Let's I, go. I almost. I want a flat tire just so I can mm-hmm. go through the process of like learning something Dude, new. You know? I feel more like a man. Knock now. on wood. I don't want it. <laughs> no. no. Uh, so you start well, learning what you made up. You're like, this isn't that hard. What was I so like nervous about? You just. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I think, uh, I mean, we've covered a ton um, and we don't, uh, we are sorry. We can't thank you enough. Honestly, uh, it was a, a oh, joy thanks, to guys. listen to you and, uh, yeah, what you're doing and, and the the fact that you're able to, you know, come through, you know, that grief of the loss of football and to be able to now do what you do and, and to help others and create that community that you have with the Heart Collective, I think is, uh, that's a special thing, man. And and to be able to chat with you today, I know it's really resonated with me in a lot of ways. And, and I think your perspective is, uh, is something that a lot of people need to hear. So I, I thank yeah. you a ton, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. And when you guys are ready, I mean, the Heart Collective, we're relaunching. We have a new website new community platform really excited about it um would love to have you guys be involved if you guys want to join um let me know it's uh it's really starting to grow and and i think just building community is what i'm really passionate about because it's really about like healing only takes place in community around others and so plugging yourself into other like-minded people who are focused on this journey is really quite powerful so i'm excited about where it's headed yeah we'll definitely we'll have to follow follow up on that stay connected Thanks Absolutely. again, Joe. That, that that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. You guys have a good one. And let me know take if there's care. any way I can be of support on your journey. Talk to you guys <laughs> soon. Good. Okay, take Sounds care. Good.